Hi there, and welcome to a different way of seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host Lois Drachen as she chats to people about work, education, travel, sport, the arts, and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Seeing, a podcast where we talk all things disability. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today we're chatting with Michelle Steiner, who is a paraeducator. She runs a blog called michellesmission.blog, and she is an advocate for the rights of persons living with learning disabilities. Michelle, welcome to A Different Way of Seeing. It is great to have you with us on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. Well, it's really great to have you with us. And I've been reading your blog for the last few weeks and really getting to know a little bit about you and about the work you're doing and about your life's journey. So maybe as a starting point, we should take a step back and say, for those who aren't already following your blog, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what is your backstory? Sure. Well, my name is Michelle Steiner, and I, um, I'm a paraeducator in a school with students that uh, have disabilities. And I'm also a disability uh, writer with my blog and some other uh, published articles. Uh, and I'm also a photographer. I love to take pictures of flowers and nature. And I try to do advocacy work with with my blog. And a lot of that that, that has inspired me to uh, advocate for others ha has uh, stemmed from having a learning disability myself. I was diagnosed as a young child and I, I didn't have a lot of connections with other people that had disabilities. So I, I think sometimes my experience with a lot of my experiences, I try to help others that that have learning disabilities and try to break it down for, uh, you know, for them to have that connection, but also to break it down for other people. So they're able to really understand uh, what having a learning disability is. How did it, was it first picked up that you were living with a learning disability? I was diagnosed when I was in kindergarten, which I was really lucky to ha have that diagnosis. Um, my kindergarten teacher uh, noticed that I was really struggling with things like counting, uh, visual perception. There was just a lot of things that I wasn't doing. Uh, even my preschool teacher a year before thought, okay, something's going on. But I was my my parents' first child. So they sent me to school and pretty quickly um, when I went in there, I, I started to really struggle. So tell me a little bit more about what your schooling was like going through the different schooling stages as you progressed? How was, how was your, your learning difficulty, your, your disability, how was it accommodated? Sure. Well, shortly after my diagnosis, I was, I had to repeat kindergarten the following year and I began to receive specialty services and we went to a, a different school in our district. 
the elementary school year is were really difficult um, academically and socially. Uh, you know, a lot of kids will remember, oh, first grade, kindergarten, those are the easy years. But for me, it was really hard to learn and it was really hard to um, ju- just to be able to, uh, to to be able to do a lot of that. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But as I progressed, uh, the academics got a little bit easier. We started to realize uh, some of the specialty instruction was working that that started with, like with the reading. And I was able to go into classes such as social studies and science and things like that uh, with my regular ed peers. Now, my learning support classes, I've always been in math for that. We we never really got out of math for, for that. Uh, socially, it got a lot harder as I went throughout school. It, uh, elementary school years, it just became that a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they didn't want to be my friend, those sort of things. But whenever I got into high school and groups became a lot more um, defined, that's when I really struggled with that. But academically, I was doing really well. I was in more regular, all regular ed classes, except for uh, math and resource and that that was that was the thing that was harder was the social skills. Did you find that a lot of your peers amongst your learners were were struggling to understand your diagnosis, or was it just a case of kids being kids and being um, its faces a, a lot, not really for, happy with with someone who's different? Right. A lot of it was. Um, Kids, you know, at that age, people weren't always the, weren't always the kindest. Um, a lot of them didn't understand. I can remember it was a really small school district that I went to, so a lot of uh, they they had um, it was close knit if you belonged, and I really didn't fit in. And a lot of them, I couldn't hide my disability. That was a big thing too. Uh, they they, uh, they they knew I went to learning support. And I quickly kind of got labeled as, okay, you're not that smart. And, and yeah, some of it I could say, yeah, at that age, that, that is how a lot of people were. But it was really, um, that, that, that was really difficult for me. And how did that impact on your own self-perception and your confidence? Um, I, you know, I didn't view myself I wonder, well, okay, well, what was wrong with me? Why couldn't I learn? Because I wanted to learn like my peers and I wanted to be accepted. And that was hard for me to have that confidence. So one of the things that really helped though was I started hanging out with some peers that went to a neighboring school district. And I suddenly was able to shed that reputation of being the screw up or being the dumb one. And even some of those friendships, uh, I, I maybe I don't see a lot of them, but I I had that connection and that gave me the comfort to reach out to uh, the confidence to to reach out to other people. And some of those uh, friendships are still um, being maintained today, twenty years later. You went on to college, I, and mm-hmm. that's you know how 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 were you able to adapt in in that situation? Sure. I was, uh, that was always a great fear with, was going on to college. I knew that I wanted to go and I had a lot of people that didn't think that I, that I could do it. And I remember I had, um, a learning support, um, teacher that didn't think I could, but I also had, uh, a student teacher that said, you can go on to college. And I was just amazed. I thought, well, how could I do this with having a learning disability? And 
I was able to find a program that had accommodations and had a pro, uh, something that interested me. But because of the stigma, I didn't use the accommodations initially. And that was a really big mistake for me. My grades really suffered. And finally, I had a professor that's um, in a class that I was really struggling with. And she said, why don't we at least try to get you extended test time? And once I did that, I was able to pass her class. I didn't do really well. But when I went back to university and I used all the accommodations and I found a program that, that worked, had the least amount of math and science possible, I did really good. Uh, I made dean's list one semester and I was able to get my bachelor's degree despite everyone telling me I couldn't do it. How does your learning disability impact on your day-to-day -day life now? And what accommodations are you using to adapt to doing everything that you're wanting to do? Well, one of the ways it affects me now is I'm not able to drive. That's with my visual perception, but it's not with my eyes. It's with my brain and the reaction time and just trying to coordinate everything together. I am really lucky that I have a great support system. Uh, my husband is able to take me to work. And I have co wonderful co-workers that can take me home. Um, I have family that can take me places. I also live in a central location. So I'm able to walk when everything else fails to go where I need to go. And a really hidden benefit with that has been um, with taking pictures. A lot of times people say, you bring out these details that, that, that other people might miss. So I'll be in the car with my husband. And he'll be driving and I'll say, did you see that? And he'll be like, no, I'm paying attention to the road as he should. <laughs> and I'll get that chance to go back there and take a picture of a flower and to be able to do that. And that's not something that that um, if I was driving, I would have the option to do. And that, that's been a blessing. Uh, it can be hard for me, uh, even things like I can't read an analog clock because of the dyscalculate with the math disability. So I'll, um, everything's digital now, which is nice. So I'll have a digital, I'll use my Fitbit or I'll do, um, you know, having digital displays on our appliances at home. So that helps to, to be able to know what time it is. And also just what I'm cooking at uh, different temperatures. I also struggle with hand dexterity. So uh, things like I can't use a, a manual can opener. So I'll use an electric one that helps and opening up objects uh, that can be hard, like with keys. So it, it can be uh, difficult to, to have locks, um, you know, with the house. And we just, I sometimes just have some patience with that, with me. Uh, it can be hard totaling up items. If I go out to the store, it's always a surprise how much uh, things come to which I'm sure it is for everybody, but I can't visualize how much money I'm spending. So a debit card isn't helpful for me if I want to uh, go in with a limited amount. But if I have $20, I can see the, the the dollars going. And that helps me to be able to say, okay, if I want to be able to get all these items and um, I, I know what range I'm working with. So that's uh, one of the ways that, that, that can be really uh, a challenge. I think, you know, for me being blind, mm -hmm. I feel very grateful that the options, the the solutions, the alternatives, the technology that we have that is available to us 
makes those accommodations so much easier than perhaps it would have been 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. Would you say that your your situation is the same? I would say it is definitely to a point. Um, I would say that we've come a long way with understanding it and learning different ways to do that. Um, But I I agree with you, definitely. I I think the adaptive equipment that that, that is out there is a lot better than it was when I was growing up. I can remember people with the analog clock, they couldn't understand why I couldn't read one. People would say, well, there's a clock right there. And it was that attitude, you know, um, that, well, you should be able to get it one way when there's a lot of different ways to do that. Uh, another thing with the, that I struggle with it with technology that helps out is my handwriting is also not very is illegible, so I'm able to type things, and uh, that definitely is learning how to type. That was a blessing to, to be able to do that. So I think there is a lot of technology. Yeah, I used to um, with being a para. I was a one-on-one with a, a few students who were visually who were blind. So. Yeah, definitely. But there, there's a lot out there for that. For that, would you say that your lived experience having a list, list learning disabilities <laughs> makes it easier for the children that you're working with to adapt and to relate to you? Does it make you definitely. a better educator? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I work with seventh graders now in a learning support room. And our, a lot of my students have learning disabilities. Some of them have uh, ADHD. We have students that have autism uh, as well. But I will get <clears throat> a lot of students that will say, wow, I, I wish I didn't have a learning disability or I wish I didn't have this or I didn't wish I didn't have an individual education plan. A- and a lot of them are scared. And I get to go and say, well, it's not a bad thing to have a disability. It's not a bad thing to have an, um, a, a plan. And sometimes I'll, I, I remember I had a student in the beginning of the year who was really struggling in a class and she was afraid to ask for help. And I was able to tell them, this is how you, I get to tell them, this is how you advocate. And I didn't have a student that was scared or who was afraid. She was able to know how to go through those steps on how to ask for services, how to ask for help. And uh, a totally different kid and that's what we're trying to do with our students. We're trying to show them uh, how to ask for help, how to advocate in a positive way. I think it's one of the most difficult things that we face is overcoming that sense that reaching out and asking for help isn't a weakness. No. And it's hard, mm-hmm. I think, for everyone to adapt to. Yeah. No, it's actually a strength to be able to do that. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I agree. For me, you know, I I live with a visible disability. Right. I'm blind, and it's very obvious. I travel around with my guide dog or with my white cane. You can see it when I the way I work and mm-hmm. the way I walk. What would you say are the main differences living with an invisible disability as opposed to a visible disability like mine? I think the hardest thing with having a um, a hidden disability is people aren't able to see it. I will tell people I have a learning disability and they look at me and they think, well, you don't look like you're disabled. And um, people will sometimes wonder, well, why can't you do it? And that that can be really hard. 
So um, it, it can be easier to tell if somebody might have a, a physical disability or they have a, a guide dog or a cane or things like that. that, that you wouldn't expect somebody to do something like drive a car or uh, be able to do certain things. Or if someone's in a wheelchair, you're not going to expect them to uh, be able to use the stairs. Uh, but for me, or, or even an escalator, because I can't use that um, because with my visual perception. But people look at me and they think, well, what's wrong with you? Why can't you go out and do that? I think it, it is. the. Mm -hmm. The expectations of, of what people know and are aware of with the more visible disabilities are less apparent. And it sounds so obvious to say if it's a hidden disability, the biggest challenge is that it is hidden. But the consequences of that are often not understood. And I think, you know, just laying them out as you've just done kind of puts a bit more, not emphasis, but a, a different perspective on it for people. And I hope people listening to this will will just pause and think for a second about what that might be like. Right, exactly. Just to have that perspective of, uh, of what it really is. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your blog site, Michelle's Mission. How did it start and what are you hoping to achieve with the blog? Well, I began my blog uh, about three years ago and uh, what I the, the goals of Michelle's mission are to educate, to empower, and to encourage people with and without disabilities. So on my blog, I do a lot of um, nature um, analogies. I'll do a lot of metaphors with uh, trying to uh, compare nature to uh, having a disability. Uh, and I also try to do other metaphors as well. Uh, my latest one is trying to, um, from trash to treasure with, with the process of accepting my disability. Because at one point I thought, oh, this is garbage having one. And now I've learned that I can use this as a treasure that can help other people. Uh, I also, nature is a big thing. I love uh, compare gardening and going on walks and being around flowers and other living things. So, uh, I will sometimes compare uh, the process of like blooming uh, of a flower to, to having a disability or different kinds of uh, things with uh, make things with uh, flowers and gardening. And uh, I'll take pictures at the, and I'll sometimes I'll post pictures on there of flowers that I took. And that gives me a way to uh, show my photography and to also uh, just to be able to put things out there that uh, provides information on having disabilities in a way that other people can understand. Where can people find your blog site? I am at michellesmission.blog. And are they able to reach out to you to contact you if they'd like to find out more about you and your story? Yes, they are definitely um, able to, to do that. Great. Thank you. And we'll, we'll add the link to that into the show notes for this episode as well. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. I want to just go back one step okay. to your photography. And that is to discover, how did you discover your love of photography? How did that develop? Um, that developed, I think, because uh, I never consider myself an artist. I can remember that. I think my husband bought me an iPad 
And I remember we would we would uh, go and we would go places and I would take these pictures. And that's where the love of the photography began. And just being able to take that and capture those moments. And that that that's whenever that was just a few years ago. I, I developed that um, later in my life. Do you share your photographs anywhere other than on your blog site? Yes, I do a lot of things. I'll, um, I put a lot of pictures on Facebook. Um, yes, I love to, to, to do that. Yeah, I, I tried to. Um, I also had a picture that they turned into a journal with uh, a program called Independent and Work Ready in the UK. Uh, it got turned into a, a, a journal. It was a picture of a, a butterfly. I can remember that. I also do uh, contests uh, locally in my area. I, tr- I try to do that. And um, our local art center, I, I've uh, showed pictures in that as well. That's fantastic to hear. And certainly sounds like you are very passionate about your photography. We wish you success with that and with your blog. Yes. <laughs> Michelle, thanks so much for chatting to us today on A Different Way of Seeing. It's been really great to learn a little bit more about you, about your work, and about your blog site. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lois. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We would love to connect with you. So find Lois at loisstrachen.com or Facebook, Lois Strachan Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachan using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media. Naledi Media, all your vocal needs under one roof. Read by Charlie Yasi. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently.